Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I love food, don't you? I love eating it and looking at it, reading and writing about it, creating it, sharing it, and especially talking about it right here in your radio, on your podcast, or wherever you are listening to this show. If you love to cook or love to eat, I like to say we should definitely be friends because I have an arsenal of fabulous flavor ready to tempt your taste buds and satiate your appetite this weekend. So stay tuned. The next hour is chock full of fabulous food and grand guests and oh, chef's tips and insight, inspiration and more. My goal, of course, is to make you hungry. Celebrating 20 years on the radio, I'm very grateful that you've tuned in. Please note that I am always serving up seconds with new recipes posted every week, and they are all free at chefjamie.com, the all-new chefjamie.com. Would love to know what you think, C-H-E-F-J-A-M-I-E.com. And of course, you'll find my daily dish, often shameless, but always delectable, including that two-ingredient chocolate truffle cake, eggs and chocolate. You've got to check it out. Posted on social, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, you'll find me at Chef Jamie Gwen. All right. I like to kick off the show with a tutorial of sorts, and it seemed only appropriate to make you the best cook you know, or rather a master griller, because summer is about to start that we should talk ribs for a hot minute, don't you think? Or maybe a low and slow minute, I should call it. You can be a rib master. Now, there are many types of ribs. And first, you have to choose your preferred style. I happen to be a baby back lover. I like tender, fall off the bone meat and little riblets, you know, just large enough to hold on to and gnaw on. But lately, my mom has been making St. Louis style ribs. They're big and flatter and sort of Flintstone-like bones. I mean, not as big as a tomahawk or a beef rib, of course, but for pork, the St. Louis are wider and flatter. And I have to tell you, if prepared well or right or however you want to say it, they're pretty fabulous. So my allegiance isn't changing, but I'm definitely a convert. And then if you really want a heartier, meatier chew, uh, you go with a big old beef rib, right? But for my recipes, when it comes to pork ribs, you have to choose baby back, spare rib, or St. Louis style. And then you have to follow a few simple steps. Now, let me mention Baby back ribs come from the backside of the pig near the loin, and they are definitely more tender than most of the other slabs with a lesser requirement of cooking. They also absorb flavor really well. Spare ribs come from the belly of the hog where um, bacon comes from. They're larger in size, they're meaty, they're less tender though. And St. Louis ribs actually start off as spare ribs, but they're trimmed down and a lot of the cartilage and the rib tips are removed. You get a very uniform kind of rectangular shape. And I actually think that they are a great rib for beginners. 
Now, there is one thing you need to do, need to know, no matter what style of ribs you choose. You always want to start with a freshly rinsed rack of ribs padded dry, right? And if you turn it over, there is a shiny surface on the underside of every rack of ribs. That is a membrane that is attached to the bones. And seldom today will you find a rack of ribs without it unless you go to a very specialized butcher shop. So you will need to do something about it. You're going to remove it. And by doing so, you will create added tenderness. So first grab a paper towel because the skin is very slippery and working from the narrow end of the rack, use a paring knife to lift up the end of the membrane from the meat. And once you have a little bit of that membrane, just enough to grab onto exposed, you're going to use the paper towel as a gripper to pull the membrane against or away from that side you started. And the skin usually comes off in one large piece. It's a membrane that is entirely edible, but it will change the way you cook and eat and adore ribs forever. If you would like a visual tutorial, by the way, I'm posting it right now on social, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. It has sound effects, by the way, and it is one of, and I laugh because uh, really you have to love the internet and social media. It is one of my most seen videos on social media. It's quick, but it's fabulous, I suppose, because it teaches you a trick that you might not have otherwise done and everybody loves it. All right, back to this rib fest. Let's talk about seasoning. I think a dry rub on ribs is the best way to get really brilliant flavor. And a dry rub allows you to create your own flavor profile preference, right? A good rub should permeate best if it's left on the ribs for 24 hours before cooking. Four hours will do if you're running behind on time. I like a well-balanced rub, one that is salt and spice with a touch of sweet, definitely and especially for pork. Um, Too much sugar, by the way, the ribs will burn. And so my standard rub is chili powder, brown sugar, kosher salt, and freshly ground pepper. And then I add smoked paprika, cumin, garlic powder, and a little cayenne. If you like dried herbs, if you're not a cumin fan, make it your own. Or you could always consider a wet marinade, a combination of bourbon, Soy sauce, brown sugar, three things I love. Uh, That works well too. Um, I happen to prefer a dry rub method to impart flavor and I like liquid during cooking. Now, master grillers everywhere are going to shiver right now because I am going to say the word oven. I know. If you're a low and slow kind of rib cook, then you already started your charcoal grill and you've already begun drinking cocktails and you have a crowd of people coming over and you're a step ahead. And after you dry rubbed the ribs and left them in the fridge overnight, you pulled them out and you got them going. But you see, I don't know about you. My life is crazy, busy with a kiddo and more recipes to test and watermelon to cut. So I take the ribs out of the fridge 
and I wrap them in aluminum foil. And before I close up the foil, I add like a few tablespoons of apple juice or beer or bourbon or whatever is within arm's reach. And then I close up the foil and I throw them into the oven on a sheet, uh, sheet pan or a cookie sheet. And I then turn the oven on. Don't even have to preheat. I set it to 300 degrees and I let them go for a couple hours, two and a half, sometimes three. Depends on how many racks and, you know, what the day is like. And sometimes at the two hour mark, I turn the oven off and then I'm ready to party because I finish my ribs on the grill. I fire up the grill till it's hot. I take the ribs out of their foil packets and I give them a good char and then I start basting with my barbecue sauce of choice until they're lacquered and beautiful and heated through. And that's because I roast them early on and I let them sit until I'm ready to serve. And then I put extra sauce for dipping and then you just sit back and you drink your Greyhound and you enjoy the praise. Because you made really great ribs. Now, my brown sugar bourbon glazed ribs recipe is posted at chefjamie.com. And with those, you'll drink Pinot Noir. So cheers to you. All right, that is a rib tutorial if I ever knew one. And I can't wait to see how your ribs turn out. So please post on social with the hashtag ChefJamieGwen so that I can see you and all of your rib glory, of course. All right. You want more tips, tricks, and techniques to cook incredibly flavorful dishes? Well, there's no one better than a cowboy cook, I'll tell you, to teach you that. His name is Kent Rollins, and you know him from his over 2 million fanship on YouTube, of course. He's the cowboy cook, and he and Shannon have come out with a new cookbook, And it is with great joy that I share it with you. So when we come back, comfort food the cowboy way. Kent and Shannon Rollins are here. And my heart couldn't be warmer, really. Don't touch your dial. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Be right back. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I have the greatest culinary thinkers on this show, and I am humbled to say it. I'm also proud to tell you that so many of them are my friends, and these are extraordinary people. You see, every once in a while, you meet people that stay with you, no matter how many years it's been or how long you've seen them. Their warmth exudes from them like light, and you never forget them. And those such people are the Rollins. 
Cowboy cook Kent Rollins and his fantastic wife Shannon are much beloved for their Western wit and wisdom and their relaxed home-cooked recipes. Of course, you know Kent from the extraordinary success of his YouTube channel, Kent Rollins Cowboy Cooking, and as the best-selling author of multiple cookbooks included the much lauded A Taste of Cowboy. Their newest cookbook, Comfort Food the Cowboy Way, just released, and it is already a number one bestseller on Amazon and well-deserved. It's entitled Comfort Food the Cowboy Way because it shares backyard favorite recipes and country classics and stories from the ranch. They have fed hungry bellies on the open plain from Branson, Missouri to the Big Apple, and you've seen them everywhere from the Food Network to CBS This Morning and beyond. And they are back with chuck wagon inspiration and undeniable Southern charm, and I could not be happier. Hello, my friends. It's been too long. It has been that, Jamie. It is so good to be back uh, on the show with you. Thank and, you. Uh, it is an honor. And no. thank you for the, such the kind introduction. Uh, Well-deserved, Shannon. Thank you. I, you know, I wish y'all came on more, but you're too busy sleeping in a teepee and washing <laughs> your hair in a dish bin to, uh, <laughs> to grace this show. But it amazes me. Kent, how long have you been cooking on the range now? Uh, a little over 30 years uh, with a wagon and Dutch oven. Amazing. And, you know, Shannon, as we talked about last time we caught up, there is still an, an old school kind of, I mean, not kind of, but rather a throwback mentality to range cooking, even today. Yeah, you know, um, it, it, it's nice to be able to step back in time, even though, um, you know, we, we do modern style cooking a little bit more. But when I was telling you, um, out on the range, you know, we still sleep in teepees. Um, they're horseback. We don't have anything that plugs in. Uh, we don't have mixers. You know, everything's by hand. Um, but it's it's really nice because one of the greatest things is when we drive out there, and I know that there's a certain point that I will lose cell phone service, and rather than be really anxious about it, it's just nice because you can't do anything about it. So you sure. just have to enjoy where you're at. And you just let go. That's one of the yeah. most amazing things I think about the two of you. And Kent, I've always known this about you from when I met you. It's got to be, I mean, I know how old I was. It's probably close to 25 years, 20, 20 years at least. And 1996. <gasps> look at you. It is. It's 27. I am not that old, Mr. Rollins. <laughs> I think you were 13. When we I, th I think I was 11. Sure. Uh-huh. And you know, by the way, your wife doesn't age. Shannon, you're making me look no. bad. But truth be told, that, that humility that you have, that appreciation for the land, for the people, the reason that you do it is what has perpetuated this lifestyle. I mean, you even found a glorious wife to come along on the journey. Lucky you, brave Shannon. Um, but... <laughs> It, it's true, Kent, that you really do this from your heart. I mean, it is it is definitely motivated by love. What you what you do in life that you succeed at always is going to have to come from your heart. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't care what what business you're in, but uh, we have the greatest view at our kitchen window mm. all the time, mm -hmm. and we we meet people that uh, stand as tall as giant oak trees that. Uh, 
are just glad to, to be alive and have the job they have and uh, love the outdoors. Yeah, and these characters that you've met on the trail, they are highlighted and the stories from your adventures are highlighted in this book. It is more than just a cookbook. I mean, I love the historical references. I, I read page after page. Uh, uh, and I'll tell you, it's a journey as you've woven the story throughout the book. And Shannon, the pictures, your photography are more gorgeous than ever. That two-page spread of a range with a lone cowboy riding takes you there. Well, you know, I always say I'm really not that great of a photographer. I don't have a photography background. But when you are in the places we're at, really all you have to do is punch the button and it takes the picture because it's just, I mean, you'll see the the people and the places, it's just, it's, it's hard to imagine and it's hard to describe. But luckily the camera, I had the camera in a lot of those places, so yeah. we got it. And, you know, to what you were saying about the stories, we've always wanted to, to, in all of our books, we wanted people to feel that if they bought the cookbook and they never cooked a recipe out of it, that they would still get value out of it. And I think with the stories and the pictures, they get that. And Kent is a, an unreal storyteller and the things that he's seen... Luckily, I'm, I'm getting him to write them down more and more and yes. get to put those books. And, and they are in this book. I could hear you, Kent, like sharing the story. Like I could hear your drawl and I could <laughs> recognize the phrases that you use because no one else in those 27 years has called me sugar. And ever since I met you, you called me sugar. Now, I'm sure you call all the ladies sugar, but I prefer to believe that it is just me in that moment. And because... Just you and Shannon. I was going to say, and Shannon doesn't mind because it's for a second. And so I'm grateful for that. Um, Talk about comfort food, Kent, because I was really intrigued. I mean, I'd read 80 more cookbooks from you and cook from them. Um, But comfort food is exactly what I've always thought you made. And now this new best-selling book release is titled Comfort Food the Cowboy Way. And I wonder if this feels just like perfectly at home to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up with comfort food and that really started um, with my mother and them getting in the kitchen, a bunch of other women and just cooking something on a Sunday after church or maybe a a Saturday get-together of a bunch of friends and relatives. And comfort food to me was not only would it fill your belly, but it would make you feel better for being part of it. Uh, My mother always instilled in me the joy of cooking is not really the cooking, it's the serving to the people that you love. And that's what comfort food has always been, uh, from the classic recipes and old cafes to anything that we can set down in front of a cowboy at a wagon. And I think with this book, too, um, you know, comfort, like you said, comfort food is just in our wheelhouse. But in this book, we we paid a little more attention to some of those diners and the, like, classic sandwiches or burgers with a little more focus there. Yes, and and I love that. I love that it's your spin on... chicken fried steak, right? Those are the steak fingers that look so good with that crispy crust and everything that comes out of a cast iron pan, 
from you both. Okay, Kent, Shannon, there is something to be said for reunited and it feels so good. Please don't go anywhere. There is so much more comfort food, the cowboy way to dish on. Stay tuned. More right after the break. Chef Jamie Gwen. We're back and we're dishing Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. YouTube channel hit Kent Rollins. Cowboy cooking, of course. Their new cookbook, Kent and Shannon's Comfort Food the Cowboy Way. He's a chuck wagon chef. She's his extraordinarily talented photographer wife. And we're dishing on how to feed hungry bellies on the open range. I will tell you, there is one recipe, and I don't remember which book it's from. I think it's probably six, eight years ago that you shared on the show that I make the wagon wheel steak. Oh, yeah. Is one of my favorite things. Uh, okay. That was in Taste the Cowboy. Yes. That was our book. And yep. it's, it's really my mother cooked that, that recipe a lot oh. when we were growing up because it was Something that you could take a really a tougher cut of meat, like a piece of old sirloin or something, and time you cooked it down with some good gravy, uh, it would always be tender. Always. And it is. Um, all right, let's start at breakfast, can we? Because I want to go through the book and highlight everything I marked to make first. And I think breakfast means gravy to you. Like, <laughs> they're... Its own category. Yes, they're equivalent, aren't they? But I love the story at the beginning, and there's a quote, Kent, if I'm not mistaken, and it says something to the effect of, if you stir long enough, then you won't have any lumps. I mean, isn't gravy yeah. a food group on the range? Yeah, gravy is its own deal on the menu. Uh, you, can't, you can't have gravy enough. Uh, <laughs> we, we, well, and it's a, and it's, I mean, I think it's worldwide, but... Southerners, I yes. mean, they are hardcore about their gravy. Because I grew up in northern Nevada, so I was like, yeah, gravy, great. Sure. But no, it's, it's its own food group. It goes on everything. You don't question it, and yeah. it's just wonderful. We were, when the first cookbook come out, we were cooking for the New York City Women's Culinary Association, and we did chicken fried steak and gravy and everything else to go with it. But all those women kept asking, what was the white sauce down there <laughs> at the end of the table? And <laughs> the I said, white oh, sauce. She said, the white sauce. I said, that's gravy. And she said, what do you do with it? I said, you put it on everything you got. <laughs> your elbow, your ankle, yeah. whatever you can yeah. find, right? All right, so let's talk about the sausage gravy that's in Comfort Food the Cowboy Way. Um, I-, I love that you cook with Reckless Abandon and that you actually call for a half a cup of the meat grease. You're saving that grease along the way from the sausage and the bacon and the ham in the morning. And by the way, we should be doing it too at home because there's nothing better than French fries in, in grease like that. That is right. When you can render the fat down, you know, that you've cooked, whether it be bacon or sausage, yep. uh, it's going to make the best gravy that you have. And whether you're putting back sausage in it or bacon in it, uh, when you get it all mixed together, it's just, it's just got this great texture, mm. but also has this, great taste that just makes you feel comfortable and i actually like to use 
bacon grease and then put the sausage in it. So then you get kind of a dual Mm. flavor. So says the skinny one, Kent. (laughs) (laughs) So says the skinny, gorgeous one. Great. Good. Good to know, Shannon. Thank you. I'm sure you do. I happen to love to... And I don't know if I knew this or learned this about you when I first cooked with you, Kent, back as you claimed I was 11 in 1996. But you, there is sugar added to many of your recipes along the way for balance. And I know, I know that because I've read through every recipe. And I remember that when I first met you and when we cooked together. I wonder if you use heat to offset the sweet as well. Like, is there a favorite hot sauce on the range? Yeah, it's probably something we put together. Uh, we call it our chutney now, but it's uh, usually... I think, well, I think probably adobo yeah. peppers and chip, and uh, no, chipotle peppers and adobo sauce. Oh, that... Goat. Yes. Yeah. You know, and that is such a great... Yeah, that would probably be your ultimate balance. Yeah. Right? Every food competition that I've ever owned for the Food Network or anywhere, that was always the first thing I looked for was chipotle peppers and adobo sauce. And how much do you use of it? A lot? Because I love that sauce, too. It's it's dark red and rich and smoky, and a little goes a long yeah. way. Yeah, I mean, we we buy it by the gallon cans. If oh, my gosh. It. Do you really? Yeah. Of course um, you do. Well, I want to talk about that grocery list, but you just alluded to it, so I'm going to run with it. Uh, I'm not sure that enough people know that you beat Bobby Flay on Food Network, and we certainly couldn't talk about it enough. So take us back to that that moment, please, Food Network star. Well, I can't remember what year it was, probably 2010 or 11, something like that. We, uh, I'd worked for the Food Network off and on, and they called and said they'd like to do a special called Chuck Wagon Cuisine. And they, they come down on a ranch where I was at in north-central Texas, and we cooked for two days and worked cattle, and they was filming, and... Uh, I went to get Shan pick her up, brought her back, and she said, how's filming going? I said, it's pretty good. But I said, something different happening tomorrow. I said, they brought in four more camera guys, some more lighting guys. And I said, I don't know what's going on. All I know is we're going to start in the morning about 7.30. And it was in September. Uh, hmm. It's really hot and humid in that country, and it was supposed to be about 97 that day. And <sighs> we were fixing to start that morning. And uh, Poor Bobby and crew were not ready yeah. for the heat. No, I bet not. Up. And um, I told Shan, I said, I, I don't think he's real tough, but uh, I said, we're going to fill that old big stove that I call Bertha with every piece of firewood we got, and we're going to find out how tough Bobby is. <laughs> we're going to smoke uh, him out, Shan. Yeah. <laughs> so we, Bobby melted out of camp. Yeah, he, uh, he told me it was probably the hottest place he had ever been in his life. Wow. And you beat him. Well, that he stoked the fire with yeah. every piece of wood. Yes, of course, of course, of course. Just for effect. Yeah. And tell everybody what you made. What? How'd you yeah. beat him? What'd you make? Well, it was a chicken fried steak throwdown. Yeah. He, he asked me. He said, it's uh, gravy. He said, I, I hear you make the best chicken fried steak in in the world." And I said, well, "I don't know about that, but I've had a lot of practice." And uh, he pan fried his, and it was a really thin piece of sirloin that he was uh, using, and then he even flattened it some more before he fried it. Uh, and we always try to deep fry our chicken fries, which really the, is the, if we're going to talk healthy, it's the healthiest way to eat it because it's not in the grease near as long. Right. Um, and so we beat him with chicken fried steak and gravy. Yeah. 
And it was fabulous, by the way. <laughs> it was so fabulous to watch. I have had the privilege, as you know, of going on Beat Bobby Flay, but certainly not beating him. And just to see you in your element was uh, quite fantastic. It really was. And to see him on the trail. I mean, he, he lived through it. Kudos to him. Um, yeah. But he had never seen anything so hardy in his whole life, I'm sure. Um, you make yeah. the perfect fluffy pancakes, which I am going to make for Jagger, by the way, because I think oh. I need to up my pancake game. I love that you put a quarter cup of honey into the batter. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's really, when you use honey as a sweetener, it really changes things up to me. It's such a, such a different taste than just sugar, but also, too, uh, to me, it, it really sort of crystallizes a little more when it cooks and sort of puffs things up a little. So yeah. uh, they, they are a good pancake. Oh, on the griddle? I can't wait. I'm going to send you a picture when I do it. Um, I got excited when I saw Twinkies, but then I realized they weren't Twinkies. <laughs> could, you, could you please define a Texas Twinkie? Because, by the way, I can't wait to make those, too. It's got meat. That's what, I mean, everything in Texas meat and smoke yeah right jalapenos and bacon and brisket yeah oh it's like everything pino popper family yes and you know i don't i don't know who come up with the name texas twinkie but uh they're totally different than what hostess makes (laughs) uh but they they're very good when you can combine that brisket with little cream cheese and barbecue sauce and Mm. and put it back in there and wrap it with bacon It is more than just an appetizer. If you can eat about 12 of them, it's a full meal deal. Yeah, and then there's this popper sauce, right? Yeah. And it's got sweet and heat from horseradish. Do you both, I was going to say y'all, but it didn't didn't roll off my tongue the way it does yours. (laughs) Do y'all love horseradish the way I do? Like, I keep a jar of horseradish on hand. I'll tell you, it makes a Caesar salad dressing brilliant. Like, just, oh, up a notch, right? Um, to, to quote the band, man. It's a, it's a condiment that's, I think, forgotten a lot. Yes. I love it. We use it in everything. All right. We need to take one more quick break. When we come back, there is more Food from the Heart with Kent and Shannon Rollins, the new book, Comfort Food, The Cowboy Way, just released and already number one on Amazon. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Grab a snack. Come on back. You don't want to miss it. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Chuck Wagon inspiration and undeniable Southern charm. You get both when the Rollins stop by. Kent and Shannon are here. And oh, it's so good. Just past the center of the book, because proving that I went page by page, 
your organization skills are proven top notch (laughs) because I gasped at the quantity of food you two shop for to feed 12 cowboys for five weeks on the range. I mean, it's crazy when you like put it down on paper. Yes. You don't think about it as you're just, you know, flipping burgers all the time. But what, so what we did and what you're referring to is we wanted to, and this is, you know, similar to Taste a Cowboy. In this book, we wanted to show kind of the past and present, how it was then and how it still is now. Mm-hmm. And so we show a grocery list of what it would have been like in the 1800s, you know, pounds of coffee and flour and so forth but then how that has changed to our grocery list. And it is quite extensive. Of course, we have so much more to work with. We have refrigeration now, which isn't a fridge, but we use, you know, Yeti coolers out there with good ice and everything. But it's it's long and it's extensive. And what's interesting is you, you know, you think you've got everything down there and then you forget something. And that's why I realized Kent did so well on CHOP is because, when you're out in the middle of nowhere, you can't run to the store because you forgot something. You of have to course. improvise. Right. And you make it work. And that is, yeah. that is why you get through each and every day and why you are the perfect contestant for a competition cooking show, Kent Rollins. Seriously. I mean... Well, it was one of them deals when we uh, showed, <clears throat> showed up out there on that ranch at headquarters and we're stocking for... We'd usually try to stock a week at a time or somebody bring it to us, but it was... It was all there in headquarters, and Shan walked in, and she said, we will never use all this. Sure enough, we did. It will be gone in five and a half weeks. Amazing. uh, You use it all. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Kent, can you teach us to make smoked bologna, please? Please, please, please. I almost licked the page. I wanted to make a bologna sandwich from that gorgeous slice in Shannon's photograph. And you call it red rind steak? As well, it's a masterpiece of culinary art, to quote you, you say. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, we grew up eating, eating bologna from an old deli store that was down here a long time ago. And it was, to, to us, it was like eating a steak dinner because you'd walk in that old shop and he'd take that meat slicer and slice that bologna about a half inch thick or a little mm-hmm. more. And uh, you take it home. Uh, we always fried it back then, but when we went to smoking bologna and you, you make a jalapeno sauce that's got a little honey in it and you get that glaze on it, but you get that good char that bologna really needs. Uh, to me, you could serve it in place of Christmas ham mm. uh, every day of the week. Uh, bologna, especially good all-beef bologna, there's so much flavor that fire brings out in it. Yeah, for sure. And it gets this... Uh, brown sugar, onion powder, Dijon mustard, Worcestershire black pepper coating, right? And where does the lemon-lime soda go? We usually pour it underneath. Oh, uh, so it creates moisture. Yes, that way. A lot of people steam stuff or they'll put a a water pan in a smoker. Mm -hmm. But uh, when you can get the carbonation, uh, I think that goes into that word of Shan saying effervescent. Them little bubbles and everything after it gets hot and boiling, that steam rises up through there. Uh, it gives it a totally different effect. It helps with the caramelization, one, mm. which you're going to get some of that flavor out of it as well. Mm. Oh, my God, you have me hungry. Uh, okay, smoked bologna. 
I'm coming for it. Uh, the storytelling, Kent and Shannon, the, the poetry in the book, the recipes, the heart, the love, it's a winner, another winner. And you deserve all 2.23 million YouTube subscribers that you have and 10 million more um, because there is the most beautiful, wholesome, humble, fabulous place that you come from that the world needs more of right now. And so we will savor the both of you and the time that we have with you on YouTube and beyond and throughout this cookbook uh, because it doesn't get any better. Shannon, once again, congratulations. Photographs tell a story, a beautiful one. You should both be very proud. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, ma'am. And so that brings us to the end of another hour a wonderful hour, at least I hope you thought so. I loved it, of truly delicious conversation. And I thank you for listening and for welcoming my friends and those in high places with extraordinary talent to share what they love the most. And that is gathering all of us at the table together to feast. I'll leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of uh, gastronomic inspiration for this week. But can I just make a quick mention first? Because I didn't get to food news earlier in the hour. And it's always exciting when someone breaks a new Guinness World Record. It has been broken by a Japanese ice cream brand called Salado. And you need to look this up. C-E-L-L-A-T-O. They use rare and obscenely pricey ingredients for the most expensive ice cream. So if you have friends who are worth a jaw-dropping $7,000 almost, um, just to taste white truffles from Alba mixed into ice cream or, you know, very good quality Parmigiano-Reggiano or the Lees from a barrel of sake, well, then I'll tell you, uh, this is that ice cream. You got to check it out. It's called Salado, C-E-L-L-A-T-O. And no, I have not yet tasted it. But if you get some, call me. I'll be right there. All right. With that said, my last bite for this week is a less expensive indulgence. I find this one of the most refreshing summer treats, I'll say. It's a drink, of course, uh, brought to us by Mexican heritage, in fact, called Agua Fresca. It's light and it's sweet and it's made from fresh fruit. And I think it is best done from watermelon. And I got the sweetest watermelon this past week. So I made watermelon lime Agua Fresca, uh, as many call it. And it was really delicious. I used agave. And it turned out beautifully. I'll share the recipe on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. And I will meet you here next weekend when I promise that there is lots more to sink your teeth into. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well. <laughs>